Welcome to the School of Travel's podcast. I'm your host, Becky Gillespie, and each week I bring you stories of how travel can truly change your life if you take the chance to get out on the road and step out of your comfort zone. My guests also share travel tips and lessons they've learned along the way, which I hope inspires you to let travel be your teacher. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the School of Travel's podcast. I am so excited to bring you my interview today with Gonzalo Hall, the founder of the digital nomad village in Ponta do Sol on the island of Madeira, Portugal, frequently named Europe's best island in tourism surveys. This digital nomad village just opened up on February 1st of this year, just in time for the first batch of remote workers from Europe to escape lockdown in their respective countries and enjoy a softer form of lockdown in Madeira, where people must stay in their homes after 7 p.m., but can be free to go to restaurants and cafes during the day. Because I've been in Portugal since December 2020, I was actually able to visit Madeira with a negative COVID test in February 2021, just a couple of weeks after the Digital Nomad Village opened, and I interviewed Gonzalo in person in Ponta do Sol to ask him how the village project was going and his plans for the future. If you're not already familiar with Madeira, it's actually a 90-minute flight from Lisbon and a six-and-a-half-hour direct flight from Boston, making Madeira a convenient place for both Europeans and Americans in particular to spend time exploring the many hiking trails the island has to offer while finding a fantastic work-life balance walking from your apartment in Ponta del Sol or taking only a short drive from the capital of Funchal or neighboring areas over to this new co-working space. It's actually only a 20-minute drive from the capital city of the island to this village called Punta del Sol and the new co-working space they have there. So without further ado, let's hear more from Gonzalo about this amazing new destination for digital nomads and remote workers. Welcome to episode 54 of the School of Travels podcast. Today, I'm very excited to be on the beautiful island of Madeira, which is also part of Portugal, one and a half hour flight from Lisbon with the founder of Nomad Startup Village here in Madeira, Gonzalo Hall. Gonzalo, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. A big pleasure to be here in Ponta do Sol with you. Thank you. And I really have to thank you for letting me stalk you down the side of a mountain in the middle of a hike. I ran up behind you and you're like, wait, what's your name? And then I asked you, can we do this interview? And you were just more than more than generous to meet me here. Here we are, three days. Yeah, <laughs> it was a beautiful days. hike, though. It was super fun. It was great. There were, what, about 20 people with us hiking down? Almost 40 people total. It was crazy. Yeah, to that beautiful forest at the end of the hike in yeah. Fanal. It's, <laughs> I'll post some photos later, guys. Um, it's beautiful. So first of all, Gonzalo, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Well, it's complicated. I keep changing. So right now, I'm the founder of the whole idea of the digital nomad village here in Puente do Sol, Madeira. Uh, before that, I was just a digital nomad who consults companies. I help companies implement remote work. And since I got bored in Lisbon, uh, last COVID uh, situation there in last year, I created seven businesses. So all around remote work. I have Remote Europe, a job board for European fully remote jobs. Remote Portugal, a content website about remote work in Portuguese, the future of work conferences. I run also with the team in 
all around the world are running remote conference. So I keep myself busy. And yeah, just a guy that loves to travel between communities. This is the way I travel personally. And so that's actually the base of everything we created here. We decided to create a community and then promote it instead of just, hey, come to Madeira and then we'll figure out where to go. Wow. And you also have a remote work podcast yourself. Yes, okay. remote work movement. I interview, well, as the name says, it's a whole movement. So from digital nomads to CEOs of remote companies, NGOs that are using remote work as a tool to implement goods and everything in between, basically. Wow. Well, what got you started with remote work? It started because I, I, I was born a nomad. <laughs> I was born a nomad. So I, from, since I can choose, I was always going from school to school. I was checking the last day and in 12 years of school, I did seven schools. Just because I was very curious on how it is to be there, how it is to be on that school, how it is to be on the other school. And then it became the same with university. I went to three universities and failed at the three of them. I got bored. I have issues with boredom. Was this all in Lisbon? Like I know. You no, were... no. Actually, I left Lisbon because I got bored. I left Lisbon when I was 14 and I went to Oeiras, which is 20, 20 kilometers from Lisbon, but seaside, and it was beautiful. Then I went to Porto for one year. Then I went to Algarve for two years. Then I went to Aveiro for three years or four. And then I went to Germany and then to Poland. So I kept moving from place to place. But three years in... Uh, Four years studying university of five, and yeah, did three half degrees, failed at all, and here we are. But so basically, I was born a nomad. I was, was curious. Every time I traveled somewhere, I was like, oh, it should be cool to live here. I wonder how locals live. So somehow I became a nomad became before the digital part. And then I learned about digital nomads seven, eight years ago, watching an article when I was working in front of four monitors. And it was like a ha-ha moment. What? These guys can work and travel? I don't have to get a job everywhere I go. This is perfect. So yeah, just dig deeper in that hole. Make sure I learn everything about it. Tim Ferriss, you know the deal. Um, yeah. Pat Flynn. I learned a lot from Pat Flynn on how to run uh, remote businesses. He is the founder of um, Smart Passive Income Podcast. And I learned, I learned a lot from him as well. But it took me time. Then I got a job in Germany and I got comfortable. Then I got depressed on my 30th birthday because like, oh, sh I'm, I'm 30. I should or stay here and have a proper job or fulfill my dream of keep traveling. And so that's when I decided now this is the time I will become a digital nomad. And well, it went not too bad. <laughs> well, so what, what was your, because I know like this past year has become like the year that I think remote work really became normal for most people due to absolute necessity. But I think it's going to be interesting to see what the future yeah. of remote work is. It's fun because we were saying in, inside our community that, guys, we are here before. This is a CEO that I interviewed said, I only trust the people that were in the movement before COVID because there is a lot of people trying to take these, this opportunity, this wave to become kind of experts and just take money from it. But we have a mission behind it. And the mission is very important to us, is to give more freedom to people, to teach people how to manage remote companies. But to understand with remote work, we can change the whole world. And anything, any problem that you can tell me about the world, I can find a way to fix it with remote work, which is quite cool. We have too many people in cities. We can decentralize cities because people only move to cities to work from there. If people don't go to the office, we can work from anywhere. Why live in big cities where you have traffic jams and et cetera? And there is a whole thing like poverty. People still immigrate to get jobs in different countries. If you can get remote jobs, you can stay in your country, in your community and have local impact. So this is, for example, a great opportunity to Africa and to all 
to the center of Europe, all the places that people left in the last 30 years now have a second chance with remote work and digital nomadism. So that's my biggest passion is the, the impact we can do with remote work. Where do you see remote work going from here, given this pandemic and how it's changed so much? In the next five years, it will become a kind of a hybrid work, meaning most companies are implementing hybrid. Uh, Salesforce just announced, uh, Spotify announced as well right now, and we see all the big companies going that way. They are going hybrid, which basically means they have an office. They will reduce in 50, 60% their office space, and they will allow people who want to work remotely. This is the new normal. The companies that will not do this will just lose everyone to these companies. This is as simple as this. People want freedom. They don't, not everyone wants to work fully remote, but they want the freedom to choose. And when choose, they will stay most of the time at home or working remotely from anywhere. So this is the new normal. And I think... After this, we'll go for the final destination, which is distributed work, like be location agnostic. It doesn't matter where you are. If you do the work, I don't care. Uh, but this will take longer because it's a huge shift in mentality. It's a huge shift in the culture. And this will take a little bit longer, but hybrid is a new normal. I would like to see how the infrastructure changes as well. Like when you no longer, like you said, have these commutes and these you know, cities that you must be in. How are they going to change? That's like, what are we going to do with all these big cities we've built up? Yeah, that's interesting. I was discussing this in Brazil. Brazil built these mega cities like Sao Paulo. And suddenly people, everyone wants to leave Sao Paulo and live in better places. And they, San Francisco is struggling, actually. It's pretty much empty. I think the rents went down 30% already because there was a bubble there. And now they are questioning everything. Salesforce was like one of the biggest offices in San Francisco. And now they are, okay, these guys are moving. Well, what about now? What do we do? And I think we will have to rebuild everything. But oh, there is so many people going bankrupt because of remote work or the restaurants next to the office. Well, they have to build a restaurant somewhere else. And that's just it. Like it would happen before. All the restaurants from the villages closed. They had to go to the cities. And now it's exactly the same, but the other way around, like, the neighborhoods around the cities will be much better places to live than the center of the cities. I have this vision that the center of the cities will be left for one good thing and one bad thing. The bad thing is tourists. Tourism will take over the center of the cities. Mm. We just see that in Lisbon, in Barcelona, in, in many cities. I think it will be mainly for tourists and culture. So it's a bad thing and a good thing. Well, bad thing, it's also good for the cities. Like Lisbon is being rebuilt with tourist money. So it's a balance. But I think locals will not want to live in the city center. I think they will live in the neighborhoods where they can walk to the co-working space in 10, 15 minutes. And then you'll go to the city center for culture. Look at the cathedrals, look at the museums, where all the big yeah. buildings are. Yeah. Go to theater and enjoy. And you, it will be like a one day a week thing that you go to big city to have culture. But it's not the place where you work anymore. And it's, for example, Lisbon has like 100 co-working spaces. And most of them are in the city center, which will be ironic because people don't want to work from the city center. <laughs> so now there is a huge opportunity at co-workings in Lisbon, for example, but outside Lisbon, in the South Bay, there was like two co-workings right now. And people don't want to go to the North Bay because there is huge traffic jams every day. So there is no co-working yet in the South Bay. So huge opportunity there. But you'll see a lot of co-working spaces closing in the city center. And I wonder what that means to have people, almost everyone, start to go to co-working places instead of like, you know, that where they knew all their co-workers and everybody was in the same team. Like, how is that going to change just like daily interaction and the type of social life that you would have at work? I think the issue was people and companies got used to become the social center of the life of an individual. 
And this happened because most people moved to the city to get a job, so they lacked a social infrastructure when they moved to a big city. And hey, you spend eight hours at your company, so naturally it becomes the so also the social side becomes very connected with work. But there is no benefit to work to work on that. Actually, you are much less productive in the office environment than you are when you work remotely because there is too many social interactions. In my last company, I spent half of the time between playing ping pong, the coffee machine. I really became a good ping pong player though. And <laughs> PlayStation, I played a lot of pro evolution soccer. So I became also fairly good at that. Not so much time working though. And the, we were sold this idea, this is for the culture. We want people around, but this is more for control. This is more because companies don't trust people. Now that companies start to trust people, I think that your social life will not be that connected with the office. I think it will be cordial, but it will be much more about what you do and how you work with others instead of how friend are you from your boss. Right now in Portugal, you, you are promoted in many companies with how friend are you from your boss. And when you work remotely, it changes. It's more how, because we need to measure the work. So it becomes much more how good are you at doing your work? How do are you with working with others remotely? How good are you at the synchronous communication? So I think the social structure that we had in the, inside the companies will completely change. And I think that's good. The companies are very fearful about this. I think it's good. They just lack, they just lack the knowledge to understand that this is a good thing. So I think we will go back to living community. And this is a big part of what we are building here. I think people will go back to neighborhoods. They will go back to the village where they born and where they left their their parents that are getting older. And now they are struggling because all the kids left and they are left alone. I think we'll go back to live with families and around families. I think the villages have now a huge opportunity to rebuild and restart and attract these people back because they, they miss the village. They miss living with their social structure, with the kids they grew up with. But this was not possible because everybody had to move to the big cities. So inside companies, things will change dramatically. And I think we'll be much happier because there is basically three pillars to happiness. The first one is community. And you'll hear me say community way too many times during the podcast. Get used to it. The second one is sports. We need to move our body. Our body was made to move. If we don't move our body, uh, our brain actually suffers, which is interesting. And the third thing was... I don't remember. Community, sports, and mental health. Something like this. But community was the most important one that we were lacking right now. And that's because we all moved to big cities. And right now, if you live in a small village like Ponte do Sol, where you meet people just by walking on the street, that's beautiful. And that makes you happy. You go home smiling, don't know even why. Yeah, let's talk about this village. So <laughs> what's this idea? So how did you start the Nomad Village here in Ponte do Sol, Madeira? I built this project three years ago, uh, not for Madeira, but I wrote the project for um, for Erasmus Plus project uh, in Penabili called Intrahural Ship. And it was basically how to bring entrepreneur, entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial projects to rural areas. And Penabili is just a beautiful village in the mountains of Italy near San Marino. Just beautiful, crazy beautiful. And I was there, I saw the potential, I was starting my journey as a digital nomad, and I saw how cool would it be to have, in that small community where everybody knows each other, to have people, remote workers first going back, and I met one remote worker that was back to the village because she really missed it, and she was super happy, but feeling lonely because she was wor working alone at home all the time, there was nobody else working remotely there. And on the other side, I know the digital nomad community, and I saw as remote, remote work and really help changing it. So I wrote the whole project there. 
almost three years ago. And that the goal was to first bring remote workers to work in the village, and second, to bring digital nomads and build this really cool community, particularly what we are doing here. So they didn't took the project, I spoke with everyone. This is the bell, we have a church here, which is really beautiful on our right. And you'll see, uh, you'll hear it every 15 minutes as a reminder to be mindful and breathe, breathe deeply. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so then I visited Madara last September to organize a conference. They invited me, I organized remote conferences, the future of work. They invited me to organize from here. I came and I saw this place with my new digital nomad eyes, which is as a place where we could eventually move. And nobody was coming to Madara. It's com it was completely outside our community roots, basically. So I decided to change it. And I said to the Minister of Economy, the Secretary of Economy here, like, you are wasting the biggest opportunity here. Like, you are attracting elderly people, which is okay, but what, what about the future? Why not bringing digital nomads to this place? This place is insanely beautiful. You can swim in two minutes from here. You can go to the forest in five minutes walking. And you have both things. There is so much to do in the island. And at the same time, you can be in the village and you can connect with others. So I present them the digital nomad village concept. The idea first was to just promote Madara, but I think that most countries are doing it wrong. I think most countries are just promoting the countries, but they like the communities. I think it's much smarter, and you can take this idea from me, it's much smarter to build the communities first and then the countries to promote it, the communities instead of just promote the country. So the idea is, is that we are we built a free co-working space for everyone. The government paid for it. I came here. We are creating a community. We are doing small events. Went for hiking on the weekend. We have a community lunch tomorrow. And just doing stuff every day. We go for sunset every day. Now I'm adding swimming. So we go for sunset, drink a caipirinha, then we swim every day. And the idea is just people build relationships. People build a community. People lack community and this is a perfect place to do that so here we are right now uh, three months four months after i presented the project and so far so good it's working really well yeah you said you actually met the president in the palace yes that idea and they yes true true sorry so after meeting with the secretary of economy he was opening my conference he was so interested when i pitched him because i'm very direct I say, you are wasting the biggest opportunity for Madara. Why the hell are you not working on this? And it, I actually spoke with him like that. And I, like in Portugal, you have two ways of treating people, which is, um, in English, it's just you, but in Portugal, it's two of você. And two is like, you treat friends. And você is like you treat people in the higher position or sometimes grandparents. But me as default, because I'm against that system, I treat everyone for you too even presidents and so, which is interesting because they are not used to it. So I was just saying, hey man, you are wasting the biggest opportunity. What the hell, why are you not doing this? This place is incredible and you're just wasting everything. We can rebuild communities, we can bring money, we can bring back people to the villages. It was like looking at me, staring like, what? Next day I was meeting the president in the palace with shirts, as I don't have trousers. Uh, with shirts, t-shirt, I put a shirt uh, after the t-shirt and just meeting the president, pitching him like amazing food, beautiful palace, part of the government was there, the president of Startup Madara was there, secretary of economy, the president of Madara, and I just pitched the same idea and it was like already dreaming super big, like, oh, we should build this hotel and there is this place there and there is a place that we can build. And it's like, no, 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 no. We don't want to build anything. We want to use the things that are already there. We want to 
if there is an empty building, that's the one we want to use. If there is an empty cinema like that one, that's the one we want to use. We don't want to build. So yeah, I just wrote the whole project specifically with this in mind and they accepted right away. It was really fast. They wanted a different place, but I really said, pushed for the south, for the sun, because we are digital nomads, we like the sun. So and this is literally called point of the sun. Yes. This point of <laughs> translates in English to point of the sun. Yeah. And there is a reason for that. After you watch the sunset here, which we watch every day, you, you understand the reason. It's just crazy beautiful. And it's just the warmest place in the, in the, in the whole island because it's protected by two hills. One here and one, uh, one with the hotel, one with the banana trees. And it's just usually protected from the wind. And you can just swim every day. The, the ocean is 19 degrees on winter right now. And on summer is around 21 to 23. So it's not a bad place to be as well. So was this pitch that you made, was it through a government-supported, like, or a government-funded program? Mm. I'm wondering if other people want to try the same thing in their country or their place. Like, No, it was very direct to the source, actually. Okay. So I was working with Startup Madara. They were the ones paying me for coming here to organize the conference. And so it was very direct to the source. There was no project manager or something or... It was direct to the government. No official government program you were applying for aid for? like okay. No, just, guys, I have this project. You want to do it here. I think you would win a lot. This is the outcome, and this is what you will get with it. And, like, the price they're paying is we already, in the first month, gave 10x easily for what they paid for the whole project. Because the impact is so big, because people come, people spend money in local businesses, they, things are rebuilding here in Ponte del Sol, restaurants are happy, everyone is super happy because we are here and we, not just we go and eat and drink in those places, but we are around, we talk about them, we take pictures about them, and we bring local businesses, like even lawyers and accountants, Everyone with the, from the community here in Ponto Sol is involved somehow in the project. I really wanted to ask you how the locals were reacting to these people arriving. I'm sure they got some uh, advance notice. They oh, yeah. saw things <laughs> being updated here at the center, which we'll talk about. But Yeah, so it's fairly new for them. They're used to tourists. Madara is used to tourism, but they're used to tourists that stay for seven days and then go home. And now these guys are staying here for three, four months. <laughs> it's like, who the hell are these people? <laughs> there is a lot of education. So the first thing we did, we did an interview for a big Portuguese channel. And they were here filming in December to help everyone learn that this was going to happen. And then we are, looking, we are working with local partners. And I can't go to everyone and speak with them, but I can partner with a local real estate agent. I can partner with the local cafes, with the local restaurants, with the local lawyers, with the local accountants, with the local cafes. I can speak with all of them, and they will actually inform all the rest of the people. So this is what we did. We just partnered with everyone. Most of our partners are local. We have other external, like Nomadexcape from Michelle, like Nomadex and Flatio uh, from Dave. So, but the first partners were all the locals, co-working Funchal, uh, some local houses, uh, local real estate. Everything was local first. Then we grew and we brought Nomadex and we brought Nomadexcape and Borderless Retreat is coming. And uh, so, yeah, we went through the, we basically went through the stakeholders first and then they were, they were the ones excited about it and interested in sharing with the whole community. Very cool. 
<laughs> okay, let's talk about how you have built this community here. So it started February 1st. Yeah. You announced, and I think it's going till the end of June. Yes. They have access to this free co-working space at this John Dos Passos yes. Cultural Center, which can you explain to me what this was or what this usually is? Okay, so this is a cultural center that has actually in the, uh, below us, we have a conference room and some rooms where some people play uh, instruments and stuff. And this was building, this was, this was actually, Jean Duspas was an American writer who settled here. Actually, he lived near my new apartment. And he was a writer, he fell in love with uh, Pointe du Sol. And this uh, decent cultural center is now the, the epicenter of the culture here. And this is fairly small, so usually you don't see cultural centers or such big new buildings in this the villages. This is really new. <laughs> yes. It looks really fancy. I was really surprised when I yes. saw it. Yes, so basically the downstairs is more like conferences and there is an exposition and there is, it's very connected with the arts. Uh, the manager here, Bernardo, is very connected with the arts. He also teaches in the university, so he's very he's in love with arts. And there is this upper floor, which was built to be a cafe when they built, did the project. They used to have a cafe with uh, this place where you can just watch the ocean uh, but nobody took over the coffee nobody rented it so they built uh, this infra infrastructure to uh, to build a gallery art gallery so it was like half empty there is not ma that many inhabitants here so it's a little bit and we took over the space and it's now a co-working space and it's actually really well built i'm fairly surprised with how good we can we could make it indoors and uh, but yeah, indoors we have just a co-working space, but we also wanted to build outdoors because we are doing this outdoors and it's nice. We are with a t-shirt and with the flip-flops almost every day. And I like to work outdoors also because there is this thing called COVID and it's actually more comfortable to be outdoor. Yes. So yeah, we built actually, we have around 30 places outdoor and 22 places indoor and people are free to work whatever they want. And it's free, which is fairly new to the whole space. And the idea is that the co-working space should be the epicenter of all the activity in the village. I believe co-working spaces are the perfect places for community, but not everyone is willing to pay a co-working space to go three times a week, two times a week. Usually it's around 170 to 200 euros. And because of that, one of my demands when I wrote the project was we need a free co-working space. We, we need to make sure that if you want to, the people to come here, I want to have a free co-working space where I can bring people, where I can do events, I can do community lunches, I can do whatever I want. This is the space where everything will happen. And then, of course, we spread across the village for different things. But this was a demand and, hey, a cultural center can, couldn't fit better for the co-working space. Yeah, it's, I'm really impressed by how much <laughs> space there is. And also, like, just across the way, like in a, a neighboring building on the second floor. Yes, there's, it's beautiful. There's, like, 20 more spots where you can have yes. a little... It's my favorite place. Everybody. It's like a balcony, right? A very huge balcony. And we put there, like, 20 places. And you can really work watching the ocean. It's my favorite place to answer emails and to write. Yeah, Every time I write, all the perfect plugs place. are still up there, and so you can, yeah. And the internet is great. So one of the partners is the local uh, communication company, Nosh, and they built the whole infrastructure. So you can see antennas all around, all around the building, and even 200, 300 meters up in the hill where the hotel is, we can get very good internet from here. And that was built for the cultural center? So no, this was built for us, just for oh, us. Really? This is a partnership we did with Nosh. And they built this all infrastructure for us specifically. Wow. Yeah. They are, and the internet is really good. Everyone is saying, like, we have even Americans that come here, like, wow, this internet is good. So, like, what the hell do you guys did here? So, this was also a big demand. Like, internet needs to be perfect. It's there essential. is no way that the internet is perfect. So, the better way was to partner with the best local company. 
this is where Nars decided to embrace the challenge and build the whole infrastructure for us. Not only indoors, which is quite easy, but outdoor was more challenging. There's cables going through the roof and antennas, and it's a fun setup, but it works. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. So I, I have a question. So on the website, it says until June 30th, you have this free space. What's going to happen after June? What do you see it? So what's going forward with July and onward? The goal is to start the fire. That's the hardest part, in my opinion, to start something, to bring people to a place that is not known. And this is, well, this is that already. Like, we have more than 4,500 4, people registered, and it just keeps growing. So I think this is then we were all over the media. People know about Punta do Sol one way or the other. Digital Nomad Village became a thing. So this is then. But the challenge now, and not it's too soon, but in the next three months, is to find the right people to take over the project. We want the locals to own it. We want the locals to have the co-working space. We want the locals to have a cafe where you can work and you know it's fun to work. We want the locals to build the events. So basically the idea is to educate the locals on how to keep and grow a community so people can come here, but we want the locals to take over. So that's the project. Are the locals coming already to work here as well? How is that? Portuguese locals, no, because remote work is not yet a thing uh, here in Madeira specifically, but all the expats are coming. You know what's cool? Like, there is people here from Nike, from Amazon, and there is a lady from Amazon. She's super cool. And she was like, I miss people. I love Madeira, but I w I'm lonely. And actually, a lot of people came with this feedback. All the expats came here. I just spoke with another one. And they were like, I love this place, but there was no community. That was lonely. Like, I love to work from here, but I miss social life. I miss to talk with some about something that's not gardening or hikes. Right, so they were all living in Madeira already, like on, let's say in Funchal, the capital. Even here, then, even around here, like Ponto do Sol, Calheta, they were living around, like buying houses because they love Madeira. And so far, everyone that comes is loving it. So that's also a good a positive sign. But there, is no, there was no community. Even in Funchal, like uh, I heard from friends, you know, that Funchal is great. It's a city, it's a small city, but it lacks community because yeah. it lacks the glue. And to be honest, I believe that people visit the place for how beautiful it is. They only stay for if there is community. I absolutely agree, based <laughs> on my own travels. Exactly. Yeah. And I also go around communities. Not everyone is like that, but I travel between communities, just communities that are in different places. Wherever they are, I go to communities. I, sometimes, of course, the space is important, the place is important. But the number one reason I go to places is community. And how are you planning to train the locals to take over? So we bring them here. We educate them about the market. Like for example, the social, the real estate, uh, the real estate uh, agent here. She's very eager. She's super social. She's a really cool person. She comes here. She knows all the digital numbers because she's like the epicenter as well. But of all the houses that we have around the village, so she's one of the persons we are looking into pushing more and more and more because if she manages the houses. She can manage the co-working space and she can do the, the rest of the things. But also there is the cafe. The cafe just getting used to have people around and working from there and that being okay. And they're spreading the message, hey, it's okay for you to come to work. And then organizing their small events. So it's more like there is not one person that will take over. We want the whole community to take over. And even the hotel, the hotel actually, when there is no COVID, they organize cultural events, they organize concerts, they organize sunsets. And we like sunsets. We like a drink in the end of the day with a concert, with some culture, just to get together everyone. So they are also part of this new community that will rise. So, yeah, just letting them know what we like, how we like things, how to build events, what is important. 
And it's a small process. It's a small, no, it's a slow process. But we have five months. We have time. <laughs> yeah, I also am wondering, as someone who's not yet fluent in Portuguese, <laughs> are all of the, like, are you having issues with, like, a lack of English? Because I know, okay. No, so like... Even the locals that were running cafes. And yes, everyone speaks English. And I, I'm even surprised sometimes. I go with the, with the nomad community everywhere. And there is, a, like, ladies in the restaurant in the beach, which is, like, 50, 50-something years old. And I was like trying to translate for her and she's like no she speaks perfect English like what the hell is going on here so surprisingly so far everyone speaks perfect English wow yeah the the cultural center the manager speaks perfect English all the local cafes speak perfect English the restaurants even older people so I'm not sure what they do here with English classes but it's working really well so are you going to continue to have access to this cultural center going forward for, like, I don't want to say forever, but, like, is it only... We don't know. Okay. So that, that's where the political side kicks in, and we don't know the, fut the future of the cultural center, but, well, this place was empty before. So I'm pushing, personally, to have this available for the future to someone to take over paying the rent like normal renters. Uh, but as it is a public building, there is some processes that you have to go So right. we don't know exactly what will happen. I'm trying to build around the laws and build around what's legal to see what we can do with the whole cultural center. But for me, it's a perfect place to be the epicenter. It's in the village center. It's perfect. It has beautiful location, beautiful views. And there is nothing better they will ever do with this place. And I can't believe it's, it was empty before you yes. moved in. And I'm thinking just from what you were saying it was used for. I mean, one thing a lot of co-working spaces lack is like a private, a really private, quiet room to do yeah. work. And you have a lot of people who don't come to co-working spaces because they teach English online or something. They're shy to be in front of everyone and they are disrupting others. That's fair. If they, <laughs> so if you could find a few rooms downstairs or things that used to be yeah. so performance right, rooms or something. Yeah, that's one of the plans. But also like right now we are doing it outside. So people have calls outside on purpose because it's very echoey indoor. And outside, we are doing this. Besides the bell, that can be a little bit disruptive, maybe for English classes, or a reminder for the students to take a deep breath. <laughs> One of those, you can make the best of it. But outdoors is quite cool. It's quite quiet. It's in the village. There is no cars around. So we are doing that for now outdoor. There is a small room inside that can be a Skype room. It's just not open because to do that, you need some investment as it's, um, it's very echoey. So you need to put some foam on the walls. And for now, it's Madara. We can just be outside. But if someone takes over this and takes a look uh, with a different look and build a business around the co-working space, definitely that will be the Skype room. Do you think people will start having to pay for the co-working after, let's say, after June? or Maybe. I actually don't know. If I, if I was the government, I would keep this free and I'll hire a manager or I'll charge like super low something like imagine 50 euros, something like that, just to pay the person staying here. And I think people will still come. So I would do that. But I don't know. Like, again, it, being working with the government is a gift, but it's also very challenging because you have to follow the rules and there is a lot of rules. So I think there is a business here. If I were the government, I would or take over and keep it and just charge a small fee or even have it like a library. If the library is free, why can't the government, the local government have free co-working spaces, for example? Or make a sponsorship, like make it a sponsored space, for example, with a telecommunication company like Nosh and make them pay the rent and make it free for everyone and make it part of their marketing and branding. 
Yeah. A solution. We'll see what will happen. But there is many solutions. We, we just have to work around the system and see, understand the system to work properly. I'm not a political, so it's challenging, but something, will, something good will happen. Just need to understand the structure. Yeah, to see this as a model for all these other places. Like you said, if you really want to change the world and have people connect more as a community. I registered the domain, so (laughs) it's happening. (laughs) I have the domain. So, yeah, I think it will happen in more places. I think this is the pilot project, not just for Madeira. I think it will happen in other places in Madeira, specifically in the north with the surf or even in different places here in the south. I think we can do at least four villages here, uh, plus Puerto Porto Santo, the second island of Madara. And I see this happening here, but also I see different countries using this as the right approach. And this is the right approach. Yeah, I'm really enjoying this atmosphere here. And can you tell me like, what people can find if they, if they move to Ponta del Sol, what they can find around what's easy to access? So, this is a small village. So, if you are looking for a big city, this is not the place to be. I always say that it's, it's important to tell people what they will not find and what, and this, maybe this is not for you and it's okay. But basically, we have a small village with a beautiful co working space, old buildings. We have one very good cafe with the best pancakes ever. And I'm even surprised that they are here, but they are here for five years and they are the old pharmacy. Best. Just coffee is decent. It's not, not specialty coffee. They have cappuccinos, but it's okay. But the food is insane. What's the name? The old pharmacy. The old pharmacy. Yes, just okay. one minute away. Down. <laughs> and you have basically three restaurants there. We have La Capriche, which has a dish of the day, every day, different dish for six euros with coffee. Then you can you have to buy the drink. We have the old pharmacy with beautiful menu, vegan and uh, vegetarian uh, options as well. More like a cafe, snack bar. And then we have the steakhouse which also have a dish of the day for eight euros. So we basically lunch every day out and we dinner at home. And then you have two beach, one beach restaurants and one beach bar, which we go there pretty much every day as well. But then you have a small supermarket. You have a very good bakery up, up the hill, like five minutes from here. And you have all the basic services you need. You can live here without moving if you want. So you don't need a car. You don't need a car for doing your basic life. If you want to explore the islands, Yes, you need a car. Like uh, it's a very hilly island, so even a, a bike is sometimes not. It's a perfect place for a motorbike. So maybe that's a future business for someone. I think no, driving the motorbike. Motorbikes. Yeah, this <laughs> Bali is realist. I love. Yeah, I learned how to ride a motorbike in Bali. It was so cool, and I miss it. But this is a perfect place for motorbikes. Actually, most of the days, when it rains, it rains. But most of the, it's like Bali. Actually, when it rains, it's like there is no way you're going out. Here is the same, but. When it doesn't rain, it's just beautiful going up the mountain and driving a motorcycle. So maybe that's something as well. But basically, you have you have really everything you need. You have a pizza place, you have restaurants, beautiful fish. Fish is so good here. Meat is also very traditional. Yeah, you have everything. The, the biggest surprise, again, was the old pharmacy. It was like the best surprise. Not even in Funchal, you can find a branch like that. Or So it's very surprising that they are here, but well... That's perfect. That's great. <laughs> That's great. And can you rent a car directly from Punta del Sol? Or do you, okay. We have partnerships with everyone, and two of the partnerships will bring you the car here. So we basically call them or send a WhatsApp, say what car you want, and they'll come here. They do everything digitally. You sign the contract digitally, and they leave you the car here. Oh, what are those two different partnerships? So it's Rente Car Madeira, which is the one bringing here right now, today, if you want. Madeira Rente is also but they are a little bit more expensive. And then we have a partnership with Extra Cars that is a part of Gera in Portugal. 
Okay, I'll try to get those links for you and put them <laughs> on the website because yes. I, I, I've had that once when I was in the country of Georgia and I was amazed that they just drop it off in front of your Airbnb. It's yes, like, even for a weekend. If you want to rent a car for the weekend, they'll bring you here, the car, and they'll take you and take it on Monday. Is it expensive to rent a car? It depends okay. what's expensive for you. <laughs> I, I know there's some insurance, like car insurance issues here with like because of the nature oh, exactly. of the hills and the... Oh, yeah. Well, to rent a car from Rinta Car Medara is 400 euros a month. With the 350 deposits, and yeah, for for the extra cars, it really depends. It's like it's not a fixed price, but they had cars last time I checked from 320, but there is a 1,250 deposit, so that's basically the difference. And I, my car is from Madara Hintakar, Hintakar Madara, but I may change for SUV from another one and just to test it both. But they're both fairly good, just different markets. So it depends if you want more flexibility, the guys to bring you the car, or if you want to get the car, pay a higher, uh, pay a higher deposit. It really depends on you. That's so easy, though. That really, for some yeah. people, that's going to be a game changer. Oh yeah, no, we wanted motorbikes, but we haven't found the company yet, and we want electric bikes, but we are struggling to find the company as well. I think in, in time it's going to come. Yes, Even or, we'll, Chal, or some local will just build it and rent electric bikes. I think electric bikes here would be perfect. You can go like to Ribeira Brava, the bigger city with the big supermarket. It's seven minutes by car, so I guess 20 minutes by bike. Calieta is 10 minutes by car, so I guess half an hour by bike, more or less. Uh, so with the electric bike, you could spread easily 25 kilometers away from here easily. Fantastic. And I've seen on the website that you guys have, there are a lot of different accommodation options, which I've noticed it's like for a two bedroom, it was like 900 euro, three bedroom, it was like 1200 euro, but you know, divide that by four or six and yeah. it's very reasonable. Yeah. We have a baseline where we try to negotiate. So a, lot, a big part of the work we are doing here is actually educate the landlords about this market because they are used to Airbnb. They used to charge 100 euros a night and well, we don't pay 100 euros a night. Uh, so the whole education, it's, it's good for you. This, you, don't have, you will have much less work. You don't need to change shit every day. You can just drop it and people take care of it for the whole month. And these guys are people that work, not just party. So there's the whole education. So, for example, apartments that were 2,000, like a two-bedroom, now are from 800 euros. So our baseline is six, 600 euros for a one-bedroom apartment, 800 euros for a two-bedroom apartment, and 1,000 euros for a three-bedroom apartment. Then it depends of how good it is. If you have a two-bedroom apartment with a pool and everything, it's like, of course, it's more expensive, but our baseline are those prices. Have you found it to be easy to talk these landlords into taking those prices down? I'm sure in 2020 it was easy. Well, in 2021, right now it's easier because there's not very many tourists. I did the smartest thing to do. I don't. I don't speak with them. Uh, we have a partner, local partner from Stay Madara, and she's the one speaking with everyone. Oh, that's genius. <laughs> yeah, we just partner with everyone, so we don't have to do the work ourselves. That's great. Yeah, and it sounds like there's, well, from what I could tell, there's plenty of apartments right now that are available yes like in Porto Sol city center like i think things are quite filled uh, right now for the at least for the next two months uh, around there is really specifically like bigger houses like three bedroom with pool and everything that's fairly they're really good and that is still widely available and then we have partnerships with boutique houses with uh, quinta de Vinhas, like a farm with wine wine yards and you can stay there for 750, but it's like with a pool, with a beautiful environment, they have the best wine. So it's not too bad at all. And they usually charge more than 100 per room per day. 
So they have 750, so even local small hotels are coming to play with a good offer for digital nomads. And yeah, just it's a hard market because it takes time to educate people. But I think this will be a new thing for the low season, at least. I think on the high season, like pretty much everywhere, it will not be so easy. But for the low season, most of the, the owners understand this is a long-term strategy. These people will keep coming here. One thing that's incredible about Madeira is it's really an all-year destination. It's the temperature. What What is the range in the temperature? Well, in the year? very bad days in the winter, we had the crazy cold weather of 16 degrees. And I was, <laughs> I was cold in that day. Uh, that's the worst. Sometimes it snows in the mountains. Like this is next to, near to the sea, of course. In the mountains, it can snow. Usually it snows once a year. Uh, this year it snowed two times, so it's a very specific year. But usually around here down, uh, it's usually around from 18, usually the average around 18, specifically right now in the winter we have 21 in the last two days, and you can swim in the ocean 19 degrees, and around the summer it's around 26, 27, so it doesn't get too warm or too cold. It's uh, They call it the eternal spring island. It's incredible. <laughs> and they have scuba diving. Yes, we want to do it in the in the, in the the next week. Scuba diving will be definitely something we want to do. Snorkeling can do just out of the beach in Ponte do Sol. Just put the classes and you can go. Uh, scuba diving, there is more specific places. They have very nice places around the south of Funchal. Uh, we will go there for experiencing this both for experienced divers and for beginners. I'm somewhere in the middle. I do more free diving. And then, yeah, actually, I have to buy gear to do it here. Really. Yeah, that's a good, that's a fair point. You just remind me. So yeah, we have scuba diving. You can hike. There is a perfect destination for downhill, for cross country, for any sport related with water. The South don't have that. The South have surf. You have to be an expert because waves can be as small as ten meters. And in the north, you have very good surf for beginners. That's why it's also interesting to do something in the north. The weather is not as good in the north. But it's beautiful. It's insanely beautiful. Seychelles, San Vicente, it's crazy green and waterfalls everywhere. It's, in, it's really crazy. And by north, I mean 30 minutes by car. <laughs> that is the other incredible thing. Like to get here from the airport, it's like 45 minutes? Uh, thir- yeah, with the with foreign driver, 45. With I'm the por- a foreign driver. So with the Portuguese, 30. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are crazy, sorry. <laughs> And every time you, you're like, you're in Ponte del Sol, you want to go somewhere. It's about, yeah, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. At yeah, this is a very good place because next to Ponte del Sol, Ribera Brava, is where, is the epicenter. I say epicenter a lot of times. But it's basically where all the roads cross. So if you want to go to Funchal, you have to go through Ribera Brava. If you want to go north, you have to go through Ribera Brava. If you want to come to Ponte del Sol or to Caliete, you have to go through Ribera Brava. And that's just five minutes from here. So we are basically in the place where you can go anywhere quite fast. Yeah, it's it's truly like I don't know why someone hadn't thought of this before all of this, you know, <laughs> pandemic made everybody think of remote work, I guess. But Yeah, I think even myself I'm Portuguese and I never thought about Madeira as a destination and I'm Portuguese and it was just not something we were looking for. I went to Bali, I went to Thailand, I went all around but never to Madeira. Yeah, which is an hour and a half flight from Lisbon. Yes, Lisbon. it's like, and yeah, it's so close and they speak Portuguese and everything is so easy for me and still, we haven't come here before. Yeah, and if you were based here, like you wanted to go to the, um, they say in Portugal, Azores, but the Azores, yeah. a lot of people say from my country in the US. <laughs> That's like a two-hour flight from here? Is it yes, two and a half? you have direct flights to Azores, which is perfect, but also to the Canary Islands. Oh. Uh, so imagine you all went to do some high hopping during your the winter in Europe. Well, you can go from Azores, then it gets cold in Azores, you should come south to Madeira, and then go to the Canary Islands because they're also great. 
Yeah. Just and they are, it's everything super different. Uh, it's like Azores is like nature. Everything looks like a rural area. Like, even the cities are super small, but it's crazy beautiful. And they have way too many cows. That's the thing there. But it's beautiful and it's raw. It's super raw. Here in Madeira, like we have a biggest city, so to say, like two hundred and fifty thousand uh, Funchal. But then you have the most amazing wild nature, like super green waterfalls, the ocean, of course, but also very good food, very good fish. And then Canary Islands are dry, are much drier, and but they have really nice white sandy beach, like we don't have here in Madeira. We have in Porto Santo, uh, but they have like really beautiful beaches and a lot of hamul happening there, which is perfect as well. So I think this whole region, even Cabo Verde, actually, I will include Cabo Verde because there is also direct flights from Las Palmas to Cabo Verde. I think this old region will be a star in the digital nomad community for the future. I can see that. Yeah. And okay, my last question is about how you have built the community since it started at the beginning of February here. What kind of activities, how do people start events? Are they starting them themselves? Are you kind of in command of all of the different events and when they happen? Or <laughs> how has the, this community been connecting and building since February 1st? So in the beginning, you'll have always to take the lead because people are shy. So I, the first day we did a small party, like a meetup in the beach. People are coming to the co-working space. But the thing is like, Naturally, people are going to lunch together. Naturally, people say on the Slack chain, we have a Slack community, people just go there and say, we are going to drink some mojitos. Who wants to join? We are here. And then suddenly there is 20 people on the beach drinking mojitos and watching the sunset. So it's very organic. We are trying, like in the beginning, it was more about building the co-working space, about making sure that things were in place. It was a little bit chaotic. Now the goal is to focus 10x more in the community. But even in the last three weeks, without the complete focus we should have, People are just connected. They are friends. They already do their own stuff. They won't, won't, They go for hikes together. I saw Katerina was posting on the Slack channel, we are going Friday somewhere. Who wants to join? Join. There is like already 15 people joining. So we will do events. We have masterminds planned. We have the weekends. We have always something planned. But if someone plans their events, we just support them. Like example, the Sunday hike was not planned by us. It was just, actually both hikes were not planned by me. It was just on Saturday, uh, Alex just said, I will do this, wants to join, join. There were like 20 people. On, on Sunday, Catherine says, oh, since you guys are going Saturday, I will just do this final uh, hike on Sunday. 40 people joined. So yeah, they are making my work very easy, actually. Yes, <laughs> yes. I found that. So I went to co-working Bonsko in Bulgaria. Like the Ooh, second I love year. them. Yes, they're so great. Shout out to co-working Bonsko. They're one of the inspirations, just to know, like, co-working Bansko is actually one of the, Matthias is one of the, my biggest inspirations. Like, every time I was giving the example of how co-working and co-living and digital nomadism can change a village, co-working Bansko is the example I give every single time. Yeah, it's a mountain community, but it just, it really came from nothing. There was no co-working space in this no, ski town. Nobody, no digital nomad would ever, like, ever go to Bansko. Nobody would thought about it. Nobody, many people still haven't heard of Bansko. If you are in the digital, if you are in the digital nomad community, you heard about Bansko. That's the thing. You can see who is a digital nomad because you ask about Bansko. If you don't know, you are basically a new remote worker that's now trying it out. If you know Bansko, you are in the community. Yeah. Everyone in the community knows. Bad. Not I haven't been there. Uh, many people have never haven't been there, but we know Bansko. We know Matthias. We know his work, and his work is an inspiration. Yeah. I remember he has events that are set every week, like Friday night is the barbecue. You know, yeah. Monday night is, 
I don't know if it's still board games, but there were things. There is. I saw. Happening. I have some friends there, and there was they were playing board games last week. So I think it's still going. Yeah. Do you plan on doing things like that here, like having set days for yes. set events? Yes. The first thing we are doing is actually tomorrow. Uh, we are doing the first community lunch, and we are doing the the community lunch every Thursdays. And then we'll have a day just for masterminds. Imagine every Wednesday or every Thursday evening where there is a mastermind. And every Friday we go for sunset and drinks at five. Uh, so yes, but it's just, we don't want to do everything at the same time because I think it will be overwhelming. Right. So things were happening naturally in the first two weeks and now we'll have the community lunch. Now next week we'll have the mastermind and we'll have community lunch and mastermind. So we want to do it slowly so it's not overwhelming and there is not a FOMO from people. Also because there is a curfew right now uh, so the curfew is at seven. So we want to, we need to make sure that people are home at seven. And so most people work, I do, and finish around five, six. So there is very small window for doing uh, evening events where this will happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are, we are also waiting for the, the curfew to over in the next couple of weeks. So then we have more freedom to do evening events. For now, community lunch and mastermind will be the first two. Yeah, it's a great way to get started. Like, you don't want to maybe overwhelm yourself that those first couple of weeks. Yeah, but even actually it's with partners. So the Michelle from the Nomad Escape is doing the masterminds. And we just do the lunch. But the lunch is just, hey, who's coming? We order pizzas and pizzas come. It's just a shield vibe. And people eat and drink some be- and drink some beers in the middle of the day. So, like, yeah, things like partners are key as well. So it's easy to bring partners that want to do things and just give them the space and the community for them to shine as well. Nice. Do you have a place where people can give presentations here, like a projector? We have the projector. We want to do it outside, opening some windows here and do it from the outside because we want people to be outside by default because of COVID. It looks like it's much safer. So we want to do that. And everything we are doing is outside. So probably one of these white walls will become a place where we watch things. And then we have the, the, the portable... Uh, you just mentioned the words. The projector. The projector. We have the portable projector. We can do it anywhere, but we want to do it from the outside. Even if it's from the outside to inside, mostly outside. Nice. <laughs> and do you have a yoga community already going? Oh, yes. Again, part- again, partners. Like, Stalaj in Punta do Sol, the biggest hotel here, they are just doing two days a week yoga. And I was contacted by like 10 yoga teachers already. So in Punta do Sol? <laughs> yes. Wow. Yeah, there's a big yoga community here. Actually, expats mostly, which is very interesting. But, oh, next week we have another thing. We have sports coming. So we have a personal training that will give workouts uh, three days a week at five. So Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, you can join. We haven't set the price, but it'll be like top seven euros per class, uh, five to seven euros. And you can just join, pay, and work out for one hour. And it'll be fun and hard, but fun. All right. So you, a lot of these things are taking place out away from the co-working Yes, area it'll be the in the beach. Yeah, like yeah. super far away, like two minutes walking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that is like, you know, the fact that you're right here next to the sea yeah. is such a benefit. Yeah. And the one cool thing that I was talking with a personal trainer is like, there is here with the beaches with pebbles. And there is some very big pebbles that from yes to rocks. So we are planning to build a rock gym. So instead of weights, just use the rocks. They are here. They are free. So we can make it super cheap because then we don't have to buy much equipment like to do outdoor training. And we can just use the rocks for squatting for whatever we want. I know. That's a new idea. Very entrepreneurial. Yeah. But again, we are giving to the local personal trainer. We just support them with the community and we just go. And I can see even like, what do you have a plan to have conferences here in the future? Yes, actually, yes. One of my one of the conferences I organize, we really would love to come here and do it from here. I actually organize the the, the conference from here remotely, 
And we see it coming here, Montreux Pont du Sol, because we have place for 100 people. It can be a small conference, but even like maybe we have to go to Funchal and that's okay and do it from a diary. It can be like a more a destination conference. But see, yes, yeah. we will be in the circuit for sure. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for sharing all of this with me, Gonzalo. It was really nice to meet you on the hike just a couple days ago. <laughs> yes. And hear the background of this beautiful place and I wish you all the best in the future. And I see this growing and growing. Yes, thank you so much. I think, yeah, Digital Nomad Village, I think. And if you want to build in your country, talk with the government or let me know. You have my contacts all around. And yes, many countries already contacted me, so I'm just hoping to explore this project further. And thank you so much for being here. I think it's super cool that you are here doing this podcast, creating content, looking at the banana trees behind me. Yes. And <laughs> yeah, this is all about it. Just being outside, enjoying the weather, talking with interesting people like you. So thank you for being here and thank you for also the interview. Thank you. Thank you. And I will come back to Madeira and spend more time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for introducing Madeira to us, Gonzalo, and this fantastic new option in Portugal for those looking to combine their workday with the chance to go hiking, enjoy wonderful seafood in the capital city of Funchal on the island, or even pop over to a beach. All within very little time if you rent a car, and I will say, Renting a car is very important on the island to make getting to all of these places much easier. But everything you go to on the island is less than, I would say, one hour drive from the capital city or the digital nomad village. I've been to Madeira twice myself now, listeners, and I can honestly say that it is one of the most beautiful and unspoiled islands that I've ever been to, with stunning scenery everywhere you turn, along with friendly locals who are excited to introduce you to their amazing island. Adding a digital nomad village into the mix now truly makes Madeira rank right near the top of digital nomad destinations that provide a wealth of things to do while still being quite affordable. If you've never considered Madeira before now, I would highly encourage you to check out this island and give the Digital Nomad Village a try the next time you're planning a visit to Europe. I will tell you that if you're planning to stay in the Digital Nomad Village and go to the co-working space, you'll have a much better time if you plan to stay at least a month due to all the activities going on. It will give you a much better chance to connect with the other people in the Digital Nomad Village and the locals themselves and get out to the hikes and the different scenery that Madeira has to offer. Just a tip from me, because I was there only nine days and it definitely did not feel like enough time. I personally can't wait to visit Madeira again and plan an even longer stay, and I would love to see you all there. I will put all the links to the Nomad Village along with photos that I took of the space on theschooloftravels.com, along with some hiking guides of the island. Until next time, listeners, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay tuned. Thanks for listening to the School of Travels podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to The Sam Chase for allowing us to use their song, In a Perfect World. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode, and remember to always let travel be your teacher. If you keep your options open, there are places you will go. They will treat you like the kings and queens your parents thought you'd be when you were born. You'd see it all with your head up standing tall, and you'd look back and think it's funny how you spent your time.
time and money in this world Living in this perfect world